Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. So we're in Torah study number 52 today. Uh, and as I had mentioned in uh, intercessory prayer before we started the Zoom and the CD and uh, so on, is that uh, this is our Yom Kippur service uh, today. Uh, it, it, we're, you know, we don't typically gather during the week to celebrate these, so the Sunday uh, is when we typically do that. Uh, and so... Uh, on God's calendar, this Tuesday night is Yom Kippur. We just came out of Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the Feast of Trumpets. God is doing a new thing. This is a, a new year on God's biblical calendar. And so uh, it's, it's a good time to review your goals. And uh, usually the problem is that we're, it's not that we're thinking too big. It's usually that we're thinking too small. And God wants to energize us and revitalize us and get our vision stirred up into thinking big. Uh, Turn and tell somebody it's time to think big. It's time to think big. Uh, And and so, yeah, with that uh, comes uh, uh, Yom Kippur. And as uh, we mentioned uh, earlier before the uh, uh, recording started, uh, our dear friend Rabbi Daniel Lappin taught us years ago that in the Hebrew Bible, you don't see it in the English translations, but in the Hebrew Bible, uh, the Feast of Yom Kippur that God ordains in Leviticus 23 is spelled Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippurim. And Yom Kippurim means a day like unto Purim. So there's a double anointing at this time. The anointing of Yom Kippur, which is atonement, redemption, the breaking of curses, and the releasing of blessings. But it's supported with uh, another aspect of God's anointing, and that is the Purim anointing. When it looks like the devil's got you right where he wants you, God says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm working behind the scenes, and though you may not see it or feel it, my presence presence is there working out the details for your greatest miracle. What the devil means for evil. God says, is that a dreidel? God says, I'm going to turn your story upside down. I have dreidel on my mind today. It's the, the spiritual side of Willie Nelson. It was always on my mind. (laughs) So, we're in this appointed time. And 
Uh, all the feasts that God gives us, there's seven major feasts in Leviticus 23. There's also Purim and Hanukkah that were added later, but they're just as important. Uh, but each of these feasts, we, we ne- didn't necessarily know it as believers, each of them uh, pertain to and relate to another aspect of salvation and redemption and deliverance. And so when you study the feasts, you realize, realize, oh man, that's God's master plan at work. Now obviously, each of those are meant to point us to the Messiah. That's the goal of the Torah, to point us to the Messiah. But uh, and, and so these are a shadow of things to come. The shadow isn't a bad thing. As we said last week uh, at the Rosh Hashanah service, the shadow of things to come in Hebrew means to elevate us to a higher level. The feasts elevate us to a higher level. Now, if you don't know anything about that, you're not going to burn in hell for all of eternity. (laughs) Right? It just means that you're missing one of the bullets in your uh, holster. Right? And uh, we can all use a few more bullets. (laughs) Buy ammunition while you can still get it. That's the Second Amendment part of me. (laughs) Now there's an amazing connection uh, to what we're talking about with the fall holidays uh, and uh, how it relates to today's Torah study. Uh, And we're going to delve into this for the rest of the morning. In Deuteronomy 31... Uh, God gives us the final two commandments of the 613 commandments. How many of you have been around New Beginnings long enough to know that when God gave the Torah, He gave 613 divine principles for Israel to govern their lives by? You couldn't just form Israel as a nation and let them invent their own stuff. God gave them stuff. This is how you run a nation. And so uh, Christians kind of get the legalistic thing kind of twisted there. It's not they're earning their way to heaven. They're trying to have a society that runs decently and in order. I kind of like a law and order society. What's your option? <laughs> and, uh, and so today... And, and I've never taught this before, but as I studied it uh, throughout the way, I was just fascinated by the idea that uh, the final two commandments that God gives out of the 613 are in today's Torah study. Uh, and uh, these directives, these instructions that God gives are hugely important. And they, they have a modern application for us today. Uh, and it just uh, uh, so happens they come at the very end of Moses' life. Uh, it's 40 years after coming out of Egypt. It's 40 years of Israel in the wilderness. They're on the banks of the Jordan. They're about ready to possess the promised land. And God is wrapping things up. Moses is wrapping up his final affairs before he goes on to heaven to be with the Lord. And there's 
two final commandments that he gives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What are the 612th and 613th commandment in the Torah? Uh, all 613 uh, are what uh, are called the laws of Moses, the Mosaic law. And uh, many of us, and we'll learn this in this uh, American Heritage series, uh, is that uh, our legal code in America was founded on the laws of the Bible. Yeah. And so there's divine principles that we glean. Uh, These divine principles express the wisdom of God. Oh, why are you studying all that Old Testament garbage? Huh? What kind of attitude is that? This is the expressed wisdom of God. And it represents how God is going to manifest His will on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's not just some, some kind of vague, wafty expression. It's manifested in how God does business. And how He does business is through the B-I-B-L-E. Beginning in Genesis, all the way through Revelation. So each of the 613 commandments form God's code of ethics. Aren't you glad as believers we have a code of ethics? And we're certainly hoping that each of us are willing to pledge our allegiance to God's code of ethics. When you do business with a Christian businessman, the last thing in the world you want is to get ripped off. Hey dude, the reason I signed that contract with you is I thought that you were a Christian that adhered to a code of ethics and now you're ripping me off. Or vice versa, you didn't pay your bill. The guy did all this work, you kept, well could you do a little more, could you do a little of this and add a little, and then you don't pay him for his wages and his time he spent. So it cuts both ways. That's Torah. That's the laws of God. And God has these standards of excellence that He's calling all of us to elevate into. And obviously it's a journey. We all don't uh, walk on water the day we get born again. Probably won't walk on water until we get that glorified body in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment of time. We uh, are changed from corruptible to incorruptible, from mortality to immortality, and then we can walk on water. (laughs) Amen. But God expects us, just like He expected Israel, to learn these things. Right? He didn't expect us to go into heaven with a kindergarten education. Although it is true that everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten. (laughs) Remember that book? No. Yeah, no, it's a good concept. But we're, we're to grow and mature. That's the point, right? We're not supposed to be the same way this year as we were last year. We learned a little more. We advanced a little more. We progressed a little more spiritually uh, in our knowledge and the way we view the world, view our life, view God's plan and purpose. And, uh, and so God gave these commandments 
so that Israel would embed them into their culture and pass them down. Yeah? He wanted Israel. Israel is the first one nation under God. America's the second one nation under God. Everyone else wanted to do their Frank Sinatra impression and do it their way. But somehow Israel and America decided, you know what? We're going to create a heritage that we're passing down through the decades, through the centuries. Now, we've only been at it how many years, you know? couple hundred years but Israel's been added over 3400 years God bless them for being faithful now they've gone through some rough patches right the Ahabs and Jezebels of Israel's society uh, eventually got to power and uh, this is why even today we want to make sure that the people we're voting on uh, hopefully share our values. Yeah? Bible values. And that's hard to flesh out all the time, but you just have to uh, do your best. What are the platforms? What are the, what's the general flow of each political party and each person running for office? Uh, And so with Israel, they've been preserving the covenant for 3,400 plus years. Uh, Some of the covenant changed with the coming of Yeshua. uh, uh, And there were times that there was just a remnant of Jews preserving the covenant. But... You know, fast forward to today, Israel exists as a nation. The Jewish people are still practicing the Mosaic Covenant in their lives. And the Apostle Paul has something interesting to say about this. Uh, He's describing his kinship with the Jews. He's a Jew of Jews, he says. He has an affinity for Israel. And in Romans 9, he explains some of this. And he explains it in a way that you and I need to understand it. And as part of New Beginnings, under Pastor Larry's leadership, uh, we are understanding it. But just uh, in verse 4, Romans 9, 4, this is from the Good News translation. He's describing Israel. They are God's people. He didn't say they used to be God's people. They're not disqualified. Well, they used to be God's people, but we replace them now. (laughs) No. They are God's people. He made them His children and revealed His glory to them. He made His covenants, plural, covenants with them and gave them the law, the Torah. They have the true worship. Uh Uh-oh. They have the true worship. Is there something going on in, in the, the faith of our Jewish brothers and sisters that's part of true worship? Well, according to this scripture, yeah. Yeah. So your argument is with Paul. I want them disqualified. <laughs> I want them nullified and canceled. 
No. Paul is saying that there's an affinity we have. They have the true worship. They have received God's promises. Notice it doesn't say that God's promises were negated through the coming of Jesus. He negated promises to Israel. He's reinforcing they've received God's promises. They are descended from the famous Hebrew ancestors. Remember Ancestry.com? Yeah. You can go way back in your DeLorean and learn all kinds of things way, way back, 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 back. We have a Christian, Judeo-Christian, Ancestry.com that goes, yes, back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Yeshua, but actually it goes back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah. And Christ, as a human being, belongs to their race. In other words, uh uh-oh, breaking news. This is flip-out time, mind-blowing time. Jesus is a Jew. When, When Jesus ascended into heaven, did He stop being Jewish? No. And on and on and on. May God, who rules over all, be praised forever. The Apostle Paul says, Romans 9. He's praising God forever because of this revelation that we're talking about. In Romans 3, he he emphasizes it in a different way. Do the Jews, verse 1, do the Jews then have any advantage over the Gentiles? This is Paul having one of those straw man hypothetical arguments. Do the Jews have any advantage over the Gentiles? Oh no, brother. The Jews blew it. They've been canceled and nullified. God sent Jesus as a a giant tractor to plow Judaism into the landfill of history and bury it so deep it could never be resurrected. And we've got a new gospel now. Oh, is is that a fact? Huh? Okay. Could it be your tradition from your religious doctrine, be making the Word of God less powerful than it could be. Ah. Do the Jews then have any advantage over the Gentiles, or is there any value in being circumcised? Verse 2, much indeed in every way. So if Paul's trying to negate Judaism... Judeo-Christianity, he sure blew a perfect opportunity (laughs) to answer his own question. If he's trying to abolish Judaism, this what advantage did the Jew have over the Gentile? He's having this argument, Romans 3. They have no advantage, you idiot! They're canceled! (laughs) He didn't say that, did he? He said no. (laughs) They have advantages in every way. God trusted His message to the Jew. But what if some of them were unfaithful? The argument goes. Does that mean that God will not be faithful? Just because you're not faithful doesn't mean that God won't be faithful. And if God's Word said it, that settles it. It used to be God's Word said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's true. 
I saw that bumper sticker back in the 80s. But, but nowadays, it's God's Word settles it whether you believe it or not. <laughs> I choose to be a believing believer. I don't want to be a carnal Christian, a veneer Christian. Well, I went to church for an hour. What more do you expect, Lord? <laughs> so what are we saying here? That the responsibility for maintaining the covenant with God was given to the Jewish people. It was their divine calling. And they've passed it down from generation to generation. And just as Paul teaches in Romans 11, we don't have time to get in there, we need to see ourselves grafted in to a lot of that religious structure. Judeo-Christianity. Jewish Christianity. Derek uh, uh, Love Jones, who uh, is such a dear member of the church, he had a t-shirt made years ago, Christianity is Jewish. Nice. It is. So, spiritual Israel is God's template. And especially now for you and I, as Yeshua defines it. We were having this discussion the other day uh, with the, uh, the TV and tech crew. And uh, I, was, I was saying about this kind of topic, read the Sermon on the Mount, folks. If you think that Christianity is the easy version of faith, read the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, if you are sexually immoral, you've sinned. But if you're sexually immoral in your heart, (laughs) you've sinned. So he took it even further. And he does this six different ways in the Sermon on the Mount. Read it for yourself. He's expanding the understanding of the Torah to include a lot more than maybe people thought of early on. So, in Ephesians 2, the Bible says in verse 11, You Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcised by the Jews, who call themselves circumcised, which refers to what men do to their bodies, remember what you were in the past, Gentile. Pagan. Who had no covenant who was alienated from the promises of God. Remember what you used to be. Verse 12, At that time you were apart from Christ. You were foreigners and did not belong to God's chosen people. Do you see the picture being created? The chosen people, the Jewish people, were people that we were meant as Gentiles, as unbelievers, coming out of darkness, coming out of pain. We were meant to understand what what religion was all about through their eyes. You had no part in the covenants. Again, covenants S. Which were based on God's promises to His people. The New King James says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The structure of Israel. You had no knowledge of that. You were living, serving in the goddess of Diana. A thousand gods. A pantheon of gods you were serving. You were blinded. 
And then suddenly you come to the knowledge of the truth, and part of that truth is the way God ordained it with Israel is the way I want it to be. Yeah? Are we good? No one's nervous. Lock the door back there so no one leaves. And you lived in this world without hope and without God. But now in union with Christ, you that used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Far away from what? Brought near to what? In the context here, brought you were far away from Israel and through the blood of the Lamb, you've been brought near to Israel, grafted into Israel, so that you could understand the framework on which God wants society to have. You would buy into that. You wouldn't just uh, bring in all your pagan practices in, uh, along with that uh, initial expression of faith in Jesus, but then continue to practice all the paganism that you learned from the goddess Diana, or, or Baal, or Ashtoreth, or Ishtar, or whoever. So, we're not strangers and foreigners, verse 19 says. We're not strangers and foreigners to Israel, to this structure of faith any longer, because now, Paul says, he defines us as citizens of heaven. This tells us that the structure is from heaven. That's the pattern that came down from heaven. Follow this structure. Part of our goal as believers, and in part in selecting a church, and leadership is to understand what principles, what guidelines, what standards, what message is being put out there. And are people being transformed by the renewing of their mind? Is there a transformation process taking place, or did we just hear a nice sermon, see you next week, boss? Right? So our goal is to better understand all of this. Right? And remember, Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, I didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. I came to show you how to live it. And that's where he goes into all these uh, uh, Torah laws and he gives new definition and new priority and new understanding and revelation on how that's meant to be applied in our lives. And when you read it, you say, oh my gosh. Yeah. So with that as our backdrop, let's turn to Deuteronomy 31. This is where Moses gives the Torah's final two commandments. There's 613. And today he gives 612 and 613. And these commandments really show us how did the Jews maintain such a loyalty to God that they would preserve what God had given them at Mount Sinai for over 3,400 years. That's a long time to be faithful. We're, we're having problems in, in the church just being faithful till Friday, till next Sunday. Can I just be faithful till next Sunday? You know, and so, yeah, for nearly 3,500 years, 
There's been, yeah, and, and yeah, there's been just a remnant at times. But that's sometimes all God needs is a remnant. And all of this happens despite the devil and the nations of the world and every generation doing whatever they could to resist and attack and destroy the Jewish people. Right now, anti-Semitism, hate for the Jews, is higher than even at the time of Hitler. And a lot of times, churches don't even realize they're part of the hate. Because they keep... Uh, dissing the Jews and and ridiculing the Jews because oh, why don't you just accept Jesus and get on with it? <laughs> oh, okay, that's real understanding. That's great tact. That's what a strategy. Try that with your wife. <laughs> See how far that flies. Try that with your kids. Amen. So the Torah's 612th commandment, in Hebrew it's called a mitzvah. Say mitzvah. See, you know Hebrew. Is to gather the entire nation, all the people, the men, the women, the children, once every seven years to hear the king, the president, the king, (laughs) read from the Torah in what is known as hakel. And in Deuteronomy 31.10, it says, Moshe gave them these orders. At the end of every seven years, we're just at the end of this, is, this is this year. At the end of every seven years during the festival of Sukkot, in the year of Shemitah, when all of Israel comes and appears in the presence of Adonai at the place he will choose, you are to read this Torah before all Israel so they can hear it. Verse 12, Assemble the people, the men, the women, the little ones, and the foreigners you have in your towns so that they can hear Learn, fear Adonai your God, and take care to obey all the words of this Torah. When America had Ellis Island and there was this mass uh, immigration from around the world, people came into America a different way than they come in now. And part of the reason was, is that early on, uh, our government realized we need to follow the Torah. There needs to be a process even for the foreigner. So when you're coming into Israel, you just can't come in with your own ideals, your own values, your own, I'm going to do it this, oh no you're not. And God is saying, gather the people, read them the Bible, and let's go through all the Torah laws. And then when you go on to synagogue and you're attending synagogue and your life group and you're reading and studying and praying, all of a sudden these 613 divine principles will begin to come alive in you. Well, what's the benefit of that? Why would I care if they came alive? Because that's the pathway to life and blessing. (laughs) Who doesn't want any more blessing? Who hopes things go bad for them? Who's hoping that the whole world just goes to hell in a handbasket? No one. (laughs) Well, the reason that that happens oftentimes is the divine principles don't get practiced. 
We heard a good sermon and we wished that someone was here to hear that. Have you ever done Boy, I sure wish so-and-so was here to hear this sermon today. No, you're here to hear this sermon. You better get, that's one time you should get greedy. (laughs) No, this word is for me. May it be a living word, a transforming word, a powerful word that will elevate my life and more success and victory. And And so he goes on, pass this down. That's the 612th commandment. It's a national call to faith. Our, our um, inauguration address every four years in Washington, D.C. replicates this. And it would be nice uh, at the next one that we hear more Bible coming out of whoever is the president in 2024. Whether Democrat or Republican, it would be nice to hear that man or woman, could be a woman, that they would say, this is one nation under God. And I've been elected because God wants me to establish, reestablish, recommit America to what our founding values are. And our founding values are based on the Bible. And I'm here as the leader to help us get back to that. I got more amens on this side than I did on that. Are we pondering? Is that a good idea? (laughs) God wants His nations anchored to godliness and holiness and morality and justice as it's defined in the Torah. Yeah. And so it's nice to have kings, presidents, leaders that that, uh, abide by that. Yeah. And so every seven years, let's renew our commitment to the Word of the living God. Now we do that every Sunday. Many of us do that every morning. Because you're praying people, right? And I get up in the modea ni, Father, I give my life to you afresh and anew today. Guide my steps. Help me make a difference in the world. Help me fulfill your divine commandments and principles. And uh, on and on and on. That's a form of rededication. So this, uh, this is what Moses gives at the very end of his life. At the very end of the Torah. The 613th and final commandment is in Deuteronomy 19. And in Deuteronomy 31, 19, verse 19. For every individual, it's a call for every individual to participate, watch this, in writing their own Torah. OMG. Verse 19, therefore write this song for yourself. It's supposed to be a melody in your life, a melody in your heart. You're supposed to be singing and walking and living to the melody of the Lord in your heart. Now look, I like oldies. I listen to uh, the Soul Station and I listen to the Classic Rock Station and I love the 60s uh, and the 70s music and, and all the old. But you know what? I also, and even more, am committed to loving 
my Bible, loving the Word of God, and making melody in my heart so that all the Psalms and all the Proverbs and all the Gospel continues to manufacture and build momentum in my life. Yeah, I don't need so much the momentum of the world. It's nice to have divine favor at your job, and you do. It's nice to see your investments mature, and they will. You can have prosperity even though inflation is rampant right now. You can still have blessing and prosperity because your covenant is not with Washington. Your covenant is with the Lord. There, there are things in Washington that influence all of that, but you do have a higher power. Yeah? So... The final commandment, number 613, is God's instruction for each person to take the Torah personally. And that's what religion, that's why Christianity and Christian history, we had the Dark Ages. is because uh, the church leaders took the Bible away from the common person for centuries. And, and they call it the Dark Ages. Why was it dark? Because you're, you took the Word of God from the, the normal person. But God says, the last commandment, 613th commandment, I want you to take the Torah so personal that you write your own copy. Or participate in that. Rabbinically, you can participate in it. Now, how you do that in your own life, just live it out, right? What are the principles, God? Lead me and guide me that I live that out, that my life is a living book. Amen? And just for good measure, we're talking about the final two, but the 611th mitzvah in the previous Torah portion is the instruction to walk in the ways of God. So there's your final three. We're talking about two, but your final three is walk in the ways of God. Yeah. And then also, uh, as a nation, recommit yourselves every seven years, more if you need it. <laughs> America needs it right now. Uh, Recommit yourself to the Word of God and then personally. Yeah, so, uh, and, and this is how Israel has been able to maintain this level of faithfulness to preserving God's Word and the commandments of God for almost 3,500 years. Had they not done that, they would have disappeared into history. Yeah. Even through the, uh, 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 the exile of Israel into the nations of the world, somehow they still preserved all of that. And, and they, even to this day, continue to be a template for how to govern a nation and how people should govern themselves. Hi, grandson. I love you. In a fascinating study... This this little, uh, the last uh, five, ten minutes is why I really wanted to teach this. Uh, because there's a unique part of Jewish culture where every Hebrew letter is given a numerical value. And those values, those numbers, can be added up 
and tell you a message. It's like a Bible code. It's like studying the Bible mathematically and in order to help you broaden your understanding of the purposes of God and the message of God. And as I was studying this, I realized, boy, God wants there to be a divine connection between these uh, 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 commandments that we're studying, between any word or phrase, uh, and He shows us a connection or He validates or certifies that this is important because there's a connection between the word and the number. So a good example of this is with the zitzit on the corners of the tallit, the Hebrew prayer shawl. How many of you know what a zitzit is in those uh, strings? They're knots. Uh, And what we didn't know is that there's eight strings and five knots, uh, and they all total 613 strings and knots on the four corners of the tallit. And so when the woman with the issue of blood grabbed the tallit, the hem of Jesus' garment, she was grabbing on to the Word of God, trusting that the living Word of God would bring something alive in her that would bring healing that the doctors for 13 years couldn't heal. So... Uh, these eight strings and five knots represent uh, physically the 613 commandments. The numerical values of the five letters that comprise the Hebrew word zitzit add up to 600. Okay, so zitzit in Hebrew adds up to 600. And then rabbinically, when you add the eight strings... And the five knots, it totals 613. That's Hebrew study. Rabbinical study. Now it just so happens that in today's study, the numerical value of Rabbi Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, is 613. So there's a connection there. Right between Moses and the Word of God. The numerical value of the word covenant, which is part of the 612th commandment, uh, that word covenant equals 612. You see the connection there. So God, under behind the scenes, this Bible code, as it were, He's showing the Jewish people, and now we're learning just how important this is. This is so important that I've lined things up to validate at a deeper level that what I'm saying to you just wasn't bad pizza the night before. <laughs> you don't need, uh, you know, uh, something Tums for your tummy. What we need is Tums for our brain and get rid of that brain indigestion and realize God has some deeper truths. The word for Torah is 611. So each of these concepts follow the Torah, 611th commandment. 
Walk in the ways of God. Walk according to the Torah of God. 612, speak this covenant across the nation and prophesy it to the nation. That word covenant, 612. And the final commandment, write your own Torah. Take it personal like Moses, Rabbi Moses, Moshe Rabbanu took it personal. That number is 613. And each one of these instructions serves as a huge reminder that not just Israel and the Jews way back then and even now, but you and I as Judeo-Christians, we have a responsibility to walk in the ways of God. 611. Walk in the ways of the Bible. Number 611. We have an obligation to make sure our nation honors, respects, and observes the Bible. Yeah? That's covenant. 612. And then individually, each of us are meant to write our own Torah portion as a way to grow and mature in our dedication, in our character. And uh, so you see there's this individual component, which Christians are real good at. I have a personal salvation. You should have a personal salvation. But what we're not so good at is thinking about the body of Christ, the bigger picture, the corporate anointing, and what this means in the, the grander scale. It's not just for me. It's for my nation. And as one nation under God, our template is the Bible. So we're praying for our own blessing and prosperity and breakthrough and miracle, but we're also praying for the nation. That we would all walk in the ways of God. And so in the end, the only way really to ensure that anyone stays faithful to the call of God is that you have to rely on this thing being passed along. It's not for you to keep it a secret. <laughs> the gospel isn't meant to be a secret. It's meant to be breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news! There's good news, family! And then our children, our children's children, they see that dedication. They see that you're really being a light to the world. Good job. You really are bringing healing and kindness and compassion to a broken world. That's good. And occasionally, like during the high holidays, we need to renew that. Teshuvah, return to me, return to my covenants, return to walking in my ways, return to taking the gospel. I take this thing personal. <laughs> it's not just what the preacher says. It's what you're saying to yourself and what the Spirit of God is saying through you about yourself, about your purpose, about your divine destiny. And that's why we can always say what Pastor always says, our best is yet to come. Do you receive that this morning? If you receive that, give the Lord a big praise. <laughs>